Hey there, and welcome to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast, where we focus on re-sparking your inner purpose using empowered action and personal growth tools. I'm Jayla Ray Ardeline, your host and late career Army Mill Spouse. I joined this lifestyle later in life and the learning curve was gigantic. Since the day I said yes to this relationship over five years ago, I've been collecting and curating personal growth tools to support you. So excited you've tuned in. Welcome to the Late Career Mill Spouse series. I coined this term because I wanted to find a way to recognize those spouses who don't have the typical lifestyle experience. For example, I met my husband when I was 25 and we were both on fully solidified career tracks already. Him as an 11 year infantry army officer and mine as a recent master's graduate in the creative nonfiction space brimming with excitement about the world of literary journals and publishing that I would actually never enter. Then bam, he dropped impending orders and how he had a big choice to make. Fort Leavenworth or Rome, Italy. Also, did I mention that he was divorced with a gaggle of kids? (laughs) Before I knew it, we were moving to Rome unmarried and I fell back into serving at restaurants, namely Applebee's, (laughs) quickly after the overseas journey ended. It took me years to find steady employment commensurate with my education level, and the fact that we moved every year for five years straight didn't help. Unfortunately, I'm not the only one with a similar tale. Many of us late career mill spouses had to make significant sacrifices to our careers, and some of us stepped into existing family structures as well. This means a ton of identity questioning as a result, and it often goes hand in hand with a complicated history with the military as well. In this series, you'll get to meet more spouses who fit this category. I believe there is power in sharing our struggles and naming why military life was difficult for us to adjust to. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast. Today I am joined by a super special guest. Lindsay is here. Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh is a psychologist, military marriage coach, and military spouse. She is passionate about helping military spouses improve their marriage so they have the marriage they truly desire and feel good in daily. She is the host of the Married to Military podcast and was named 2022 Armed Forces Insurance Naval Air Station North Island Military Spouse of the Year. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, that's a quite a handful, isn't it? Thank you so oh much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Of course, I am super stoked um, to have you kicking off our late career male spouse series. Uh, when you and I, um, I don't, I mean, I guess we've been in the same circles for a while now, including AMSI. Um, but from the little I knew about you, I kind of put the pieces together that you fall into this category. So I'd love to spend some time diving into all of that and, you know, where, where you were at when you met your now husband in life and, and what that looked like. Yeah. So it's a really, our, our story is a really interesting one. And we 
were from the same hometown. He went to a different high school than I did. He actually dated my best friend in high school for like three months. And I was the standard, like good best friend. And I didn't like him. I thought he treated her poorly. I, you know, so her and him stayed great friends and I just had nothing to do with him our whole life. Fast forward eight years, we were all home for Christmas. I was in graduate school at the time. He had I believe just finished flight school, commissioned all the things and was in his very first command. And we got stuck in a corner booth and we started talking. And um, I actually, (laughs) I was kind of interested in someone else that night. And I sort of say he kind of got in the way of that. (laughs) And I'm so glad he did because now here we are 14 years later, a whole military career, Um, behind us, in front of us. And I really wouldn't have it another way. But yeah, I was in my, I want to say second year of graduate school. I got my PhD. So I did a lot of school. I was in school for five years post-college. And so he did, you know, we were long distance for the first two and a half years until I finished residency. And then um, by then he was in his second command. And I finally moved where he was, but yeah, I mean, both of our careers were really rolling and solidified when we started dating. Oh my goodness. So there's so much to unpack there, but first, (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't even even the guy that you were going to go after that night. That's hilarious. Like, and the whole like meet cute version of this story too, like (laughs) it had become a romantic comedy classic right when I always say like I I was very single at this point I was doing the app game I was getting myself out there and so it was interesting how it got to me where I was preferring to talk to this person on the phone at night rather than go on dates with these new people or people that I was meeting and that was really I think what okay, there's something here because it just, it would have been easier to date in the, I mean, I was in Colorado. He was in Florida. We were not close at all. And um, so in some ways we sort of credit that because it really showed us we were drawn to each other despite all of the odds. Yes. And just, I mean, the location odd, absolutely. absolutely. Being Being long distance is a whole experience in of itself. Um, so when we talk about being a late career male spouse, like what are some of the particular challenges that you've experienced? Um, and you can, I don't know, take me back to like when your relationship first began and you knew nothing about what he did or (laughs) like his role, the acronyms, whatever, or at any point in your journey. Um, cause I know y'all have been together for quite some time by this point. Yeah. Well, so living in where I was in Colorado, there wasn't a lot of military around. Now I know there is a fair bit in Colorado Springs, but that is not where I was. And I had very little idea what military life actually consisted of. And for me, I was really on my career track. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I was going to get my PhD. You get a postdoctorate job, you get right in, and there was just a track. There was a way that this worked. And sure enough, we finished our residency. I had been offered a couple positions, but they were in Colorado. 
And so now all of a sudden I'm coming to this point where it's like, okay, I take this position that I is a sure thing is people that know my work, or I moved to California, which was where he was stationed at the time and start all over, literally try to figure this thing out. And I chose to move and it ended up being a great thing, but I definitely had a lot more challenges than many of my classmates. Um, my career has taken beyond that now very, very different twists and turns. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like I really had to work through some of the emotional stuff that came up for me as a result of those twists and turns. But back then, I just didn't know. I mean, I thought he's going to get out at 10 years. And, <laughs> you know, so we only had a few years left. It was going to be fine. It's going to be my turn. And now we're at 17. Now he's saying I want to try for 26. You know, it's just it's 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 been such a learning curve on both sides, I think. <laughs> You just said 26 and I <laughs> like, oh my gosh, he's a lifer. He's a he's lifer. A lifer. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I don't know if he even knew that, right? It's one of those things that everyone's like, oh, well, you know what you're getting into. But the reality is you don't. And I don't know, even them who signed the dotted line, I don't think they actually know what it's going to actually translate into. So how, if they don't know, how are we going to know what, what it's actually going to look like? It's so true. And you just detailed your own twist and turns, but like, how would we not expect that they would have their own twist and turns within their career as well? Mm -hmm. I mean, they change what they change their role sometimes they go on training tracks to like just there's so much that could happen and just it's deciding how many years am i going to be in how am i yeah, how yeah. long am i going to do this for like how many ranks am i actually incurring in this amount of time because yeah uh, i can tell you that goes that's a conversation we've had too where i'm like nope 20 and done yeah. By the, time, by the time you reach 20, I will have done uh, I don't, like nine or is that right? Like nine or 10 years. Yeah. Cause I met him when he was beginning his 11th year um, of I'm his career. Did I do the math right? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm like a very much 20 and done type of spouse. And he's like, yeah, but the money. Well, that's the thing is they start to dangle, right? It's like every point that they can get out, or at least it's been the case with my husband, every point that he could offshoot and get out of the military, they dangle something. Right. And when he can get, so he has to do a little bit beyond 20 just because he had gotten his graduate degree and there's just a few things. Um, so he has to do like 21 and a half, just how orders line up. And right then, of course, they dangle something big and, and it's hard to not want to go for it. And I get that. So we have these conversations a lot too, because I, we are staring down three deployments over the next two and a half years. And that is it for me, right? Like, I'm like, I'm done after this. You're going to be so done. <laughs> but then he's like, well, what if we get something? And that's always the hard part too. Like, we don't know what we're going to get next. And that's like, what could be something great. But then the one after that is really hard. And so it's just, it really is like a balancing and they don't know just as much as we don't know. Right. 
And the dangling that you're speaking to, I don't know that I hear a lot of people like talk about this because the um, the transition out of the military conversation that happens in, uh, I mean, all households, but especially like the late career male spouse household of like, uh, I, I knew that when I met you, you had a ways to go. That mm -hmm. part I knew. But if you're talking about extending past my original idea and scope and mentality toward military life, and you're talking about going beyond that, like it is a huge mindset shift to then overcome or uh, push back on. Cause I still, <laughs> I still push back on this. I mean, yeah. we're about to do a three-year assignment in Italy and technically that is 20 uh, by the time he finishes. And transitioning out of the military through an overseas assignment is not ideal. <laughs> I was so, just going to say, has that come up? Because that was my oh, first yes. thought when you said it. <laughs> the logistics of it, right? Yes. He's like, so what if we got um, one more, you know, one more position stateside, and then that would allow an easier transition out of the military, which I totally understand. But the other dangle moment that he's talking about is what if they extend us? What if they send us somewhere else in Europe? We've always talked about living overseas. That's something that we want to do together, to which I retort and I say, we can do that with or without the military. Mm -hmm. We don't need a military installation in order to live overseas. But because this has been his his livelihood, his identity, and it's it's it is what has afforded him every opportunity in his life since his career began, it is so hard for him to see beyond that scope. So it's caused a lot of um, contention like in these conversations together because I see it, I'm clearly seeing it one way and he's seeing it another way. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because, hi, you are a military marriage coach, so. <laughs> <laughs> a little something about this stuff. <laughs> just a but we have we have the same. I mean, literally just this weekend, we had an hour and a half sort of road trip, and this is what we talked about the entire hour and a half. And one thing that I tell my clients all the time, and one thing that I really have to think in my own marriage is they get a lot of this at work, where somebody is sitting down and having them look at their career trajectory. There's a lot of information about how this is how you are secure financially. I mean, they really do a lot of this. They call it counseling. You know, it's not what I, my psychologist version of counseling, but it's just when they're talking about this stuff and they get it a lot, our active duty service members. And if we, as the military spouse, if we're not interjecting like our position on this, our family's position, what we also want, that's a whole side that they're missing. And we have to just remember that they are getting day in and day out. Here's what's best for you. Here's what's best for your career. This is why you want to do this. And not one part of that includes us. And that's not because the military doesn't care. It's just they don't do that. And so we have to make sure that we are having those conversations. And one thing that came up for us was, look, 
I get that you want that, that when that carrot gets dangled, you want to see, you want to go for it. Like I get it, but you also have to remember that there has been a lot of carrots that I have turned down. And so it's got to be something really, really great because I'm ready. I'm ready to start gathering my carrots. And at some point that's, we're going to have to weigh that, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so true. Like, so when we talk about your own career, um, how many, I would love to know like how many pivots you've experienced as a result of military life, because as somebody with advanced degrees and a fully formed identity, like in inside of your career, but just as an individual, as a human prior to meeting, your now husband, um, that is a whole, that's a whole, like, that's a whole topic that I would really love to dive into because it's different when it's different when a spouse has not advanced their career and chosen to go to school in order to advance that career, but then talks about going back to school Mm -hmm. at one point or another in their military life experience. That's totally different then coming into military life with these advanced degrees and wondering what the heck am I going to be able to do with them? Yeah, because I think that in some ways that he's getting this at work, that's what I was getting throughout the whole time I was getting my PhD is that you, I was getting my mentors and teachers and all of those things sitting down and being like, this is what a career as a psychologist looks like. Exactly, you know point A, point B, like, here's how you get there. And so what I realized, again, early in when all of my classmates were sort of staying where they did their residency and, you know, taking what would have been my path had I not met my spouse. Um, and, and so really seeing how different it has been for me because I do have these comparisons. I have so many friends who are still in that same first job, right? And they've advanced up. They are now leaders. They're doing all this thing. And for a while there, what I was finding, I was quitting and starting over every two and a half years. We have been that family that cannot stay somewhere past two and a half years, no matter how much we try. And so I really was, I was quitting. I was starting over. I was having to get relicensed in new states. I was having to do all this hurdle. And I got to be where I was ready to have more of a leadership role. I was ready to just, you know, what, what the track that I had been laid out and told that this is how it works. Um, And I wasn't getting any of those positions because I was never working somewhere long enough. And it was like, right when I was ready for a promotion, we were PCSing somewhere else. And so I think that really, I went down a dark place first. I will be completely honest. I was in a spot. um, It was particularly, we were in Portugal and I was not able to work there at all. The visa that we are being given, it just isn't, it, it isn't feasible. And so I, and we were also in COVID, so that probably didn't help as well, but I was really resentful. I was just, I, I have so much respect. I call it full-time parents, stay-at-home moms, dads, who, whatever you want to call it, but I am not meant to do that. I am not good at it. I don't enjoy it. 
Um, I, again, I have full respect for everyone who does it and it was not for me. And I was really resentful and I was really unhappy. And of course that was leaking out towards my spouse. Of course it was leaking out towards my family. And, and that was really where I said, okay, this, I've got to find a way to make this work because we're not leaving the military now. And now we're even have a harder situation. What can I do? How can I make this work for me? And so I've had to get really, really creative in figuring out how to do that. And it really has meant forging my own path and getting off what everyone taught me. And it's, it's now that I've done it, I'm really, really happy that I have. But man, to get from there to here was really tough to just get my mindset around that and to open myself up to what even the new possibilities are. Well, and I think part of why it's so hard to see what those new possibilities are is because you were being, you were being fed a track and a system prior to that. And so then taking your own autonomy in that situation and saying, oh, well, now I have to redefine everything. This is up to me. This isn't up to anybody else. This is up to me. That can be so that can be so scary to come to that realization. And, you know, immediately, like my mind would be going, well, what if I do it wrong? Like, (laughs) what if I do it wrong? What if I don't do it in the best way? What if what if what if what if what if so I I I'm hearing the struggle that you are depicting here. And the reason I think it's so important that we talk about those moments and those periods in our life where things were darker and we were probably experiencing situational depression and our decision-making skills were probably a lot like lower and less quality than what they would be normally. Um, It's important to me that we talk about those times because the spouses that we have in our networks and, and, and you know, who um, we connect with online and who connect with like on your podcast, for example, and on my mm-hmm. podcast, like they need to hear that because they may be currently going through that right now and wondering what is wrong with me. Yes. What's, what's wrong with me that I can't get it together because all these other spouses seem to know exactly what they're doing and they've figured out the formula. Yes. And there is no one formula. (laughs) Well, and I'll say I, I have the pleasure of, I mean, I've, I've worked with hundreds of military couples, spouses at this point, and it is one of the top things that I hear from, from late career male spouses, but really all male spouses is they come to me and they say something along the lines of like, I don't feel like a priority. I don't feel like my identity, my dreams, my life is important. And that really affects them, which then really affects their marriage. It affects, right, parenting. It affects so many other aspects of life. And so often what I'm doing when I'm working with marriages is also helping the military spouse really navigate this journey as well, because you're right. And, and normalizing it, normalizing that it's, it doesn't say anything about you. Cause I get that a lot too. Am I just not meant for this military life? No, it's hard. It's hard on every single person. I don't know one person that comes in and says, yeah, I rock at this all the time. Um, but finding ways that you can navigate through it and also to have your spouse support you with that too, because 
me obviously just taking it out on my spouse, it wasn't doing either of us any favors. Like he was feeling really guilty because he couldn't change the situation. He didn't know how to make me feel better. It didn't make me feel better that now he was feeling bad. It just was a rough situation overall. And when I found how I needed him to support me and how he could really do that, it made the biggest difference for us because he wanted to. He's always wanted to support me. He wants me to be happy. And I think sometimes when we're in the middle of that dark place, we forget it because it's like, well, you're getting what you want. You're you're doing your career. But the reality is, is again, they're, they don't have control either. And so I think just um, when we were able to get on the same team and on the same page about it, it made everything else easier. It made it easier for me to take those turns. It made it easier for me to take the leap into something else. It just, and he felt a lot better because now he knew how to do that and what he needed to do to do that. So basically you had to tell him. I had to tell him. Yeah, exactly. You had to define it for yourself first. Like this is Mm -hmm. how I need support. This is how I need him to show up for me in this way and then communicate that. Yes. And Yes, I think that's something we kind of hovered over in our in our conversation on your podcast, because we don't want to have to tell somebody like we want them to know it Mm -hmm. or to figure it out on their own based on the current circumstance. And unfortunately, that's just not reality in a marriage. And I wish it were like I wish he could just know and I don't have to tell him. Yeah it's that moment of it, it's self-advocacy. It's, it's taking a moment to say, this is what I truly need. And this is how you can show up for me in this way. And it feels at least to me. And I know that my personality type is definitely filtering this portion of the conversation, but at least to me, it doesn't feel authentic anymore to have to say what it is that you need. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah. It feels contrived almost. Yeah. And yet it is the thing that gets both of you over that hump together. But there's so much resistance in that moment for me. Um, So I wondered if if more spouses have shared that that part's really tough. It, it is one of the things I get the pushback from the most where they say, I don't want to do that. Like, again, that he should just know that, that this is what I need. And the reality is, is even research shows this. You look at couples who have been together 20 plus years and we as humans are really, really poor at guessing or what somebody else needs. And we are just really bad at, at doing that. Even couples who've been together a really long time. And so recognizing that it's not that they don't want to, it's just that they don't know how. And so I find that again, it's like that little work initially to kind of share. Now you also have to be open to what they say back, because just because this is exactly what I want, it also has to be something that he can do and he can meet. And what I mean is he has to have the ability. He has to know how to do that. He has to, right. And it's changing a pattern. And so just because it's some, because I hear this a lot too, where, okay, I've asked for it and now he won't give it to me. Does that mean he just doesn't care? And usually there's, there's something that's getting in the way where they, again, they don't have that ability or they haven't learned how to do that, or they, you know, there's, there's something else still going on. So recognizing that, yes, we have to advocate for ourselves. You have to, if you want something, you have to say it out loud. It's just 
required. And you have to be open to what they feel about it, what they say about it, what they need about it. They may need some coaching in it to try to help them get to that point. It might not be as smooth as right off the bat you start to get it, but it is what makes the difference in the long run every single time. Oh, I love that. So many juicy, juicy nuggets here. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to your own career and needing to make those pif- those pivots and you know you talk a lot about like needing to relicense yourself for example in different states and things how has your long term idea for your career really changed like what how do you envision this now and how does obviously being a military marriage coach like fit into that um, and then that process for reimagining where you're headed and where you're going I wonder if you can share a little bit more about that too, because just like them experiencing their own twists and turns and pivots in their careers, even if we are reimagining things for ourselves, like there still needs to be some level of flexibility as well that like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I've, I've done the reimagining process. I'm on a new track. This feels more exciting. This feels aligned. This feels like a possibility, but we still encounter challenges. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they never go away. I think that for me, the psychology field is also very rigid. You have to be licensed in the state that you're in, which um, they are working to help military spouses to have kind of reciprocity across licensures. But it's not a foolproof plan yet. Um, and, and I was just finding that I was getting sort of burned out working these entry-level jobs and, and not really getting anywhere else. Yes. I've got to work in a lot of different places with a lot of different people. My skills, I think are much stronger as a result of it. And I was starting to get burned out because I just, I wasn't getting the continuity that I was looking for too. And so really what that showed me was I may need to exit the actual psychologist track. And that was a big deal to say because it it just was it was what I was going to do. There were just like he was going to be a pilot in the military, I was going to be a psychologist and now I'm a coach. Like I don't even I don't like is that what is that? Is that okay? Is it so there was a lot of um emotional mindset that I had to work on to kind of figure out. But what it sort of led me to is it's online. So I get to be as flexible as I need. And I also get to be as flexible as the military spouses need. And I was running into, because again, I was working for the military. So I was still seeing military families and we had so many issues with scheduling, right? So either the active duty service member was gone or, you know, just stuff would come up. They would move. I would move. And I got kind of sick of that too. I where I'm like, of course people are having issues because they can never actually get the help they need because of all these outside barriers. And so what I've sort of found is that being able to transition into this coaching is I'm able to eliminate so many of those barriers. I don't have to be you know, work with people in a particular state. I don't have to 
you know, be on a certain time line. I've worked with all time zones at all. I've worked every day of the week. You know, we just figure out what works. And I also like that I just work sometimes with the military spouses only because you can change a marriage with just one person. I never want there to be a barrier. I never want there to be a reason that somebody can't have what they want in their marriage. And so I will, I now have the ability to work around that and it's great and it's lovely. And I get to say, you know, the other day, my daughter was home for school and I just had a call. She would pop in from time to time and we made it work. And it's just, you know, they have those kinds of things too. And I get to kind of show that it's still okay. And you still get to prioritize yourself even when that happens. So it's been a really wonderful thing that I don't think I ever would have got to without the military creating all these barriers, but to get there was kind of a mountain to climb for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it does feel like you're being kind of backed into a corner in a way, but then like <laughs> build a nest in that corner. I don't know, like whatever, <laughs> whatever analogy <laughs> you, you want to bring in, but it's, you're right. It's the, you know, that there are so many barriers in like impeding the progress and it's about working around those barriers and trying to eliminate as many as possible. Yeah. And I think it's totally true that military life um, necessitates that process, but it's also skill building in a lot of ways to be able to do that after <laughs> military, yeah. um, which is something that I don't hear a lot of spouses like talk about necessarily like all of the skills that you're building inside of this lifestyle will then become useful later because at the time they're just challenges and they're hard things and you're getting through them but you're really like you're working all of your muscles <laughs> in that yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah and I think that that like at the end of the day I think I'm way better for it, but you're right. I have had to work harder than say any of the people I went to graduate school with to get sort of the career in the situation that I've wanted. And that's not to say that I'm better than them or they're better, right? It's not, it's not anything like that, but just looking at really what it's taken and knowing that I ultimately am better because of it. Now I love working on this stuff with people because for me, I, I look at it as like a top-down approach. I look at it as figure out what you want first without any of the barriers. And that's sort of what I said. I knew I wanted to help people and I knew I wanted to help military spouses. And then I started to look, okay, what is the what barriers does the military put in place? What, what barriers does psychology as a whole look, you know, put in place. And now how do I navigate around them? We're so often we start at the bottom and we're looking up at all these barriers saying, how the heck am I going to get to this top goal? Um, and it, it really does. It seems impossible. So I really take like a top down approach. And I find that it's much easier to get there when we do it that way. Yeah. And so going back to, you know, this, the, the construct of like the psychology world and like, you know, specific tracks and things. Um, you did, I think you said you met during grad school. So mm -hmm. in your mind, before you entered military life, like who was it 
that you wanted to work with? Because I can't imagine it was military spouses. Like, <laughs> there, had be, there had to be a shift somewhere along the way to then support the community that you became a part of and to yeah. support that piece of your identity um, for you know, for this community. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. So when I first entered grad school, I wanted to help with um, addictions. That was really what I wanted to do. And it's it's funny that you say that now because, and then I really moved into health psychology. I was working in medical clinics and and really sort of meeting people you know, in their physical health journey and adding on that psychological health to it. And so that's sort of where I was doing by the end of grad school. And I was really into it and I, I, I really enjoyed it. And then again, now I'm, qu- I'm quitting and starting over. So then I worked with kids and then I worked with PTSD and then I worked with, so it wasn't even that I was always seeking out these particular niches. It just, that got to be, I just needed a job whenever we would move. Um, and I think that the reason why I gravitated towards military spouses is because, right, we speak the same language. They speak mine and I can speak theirs. And it really makes sense. And you're right. Just what I have wanted to do and who I've wanted to work with has really changed because of all of these experiences. Yeah. And I think this is this is a pattern that I'm noticing with military spouses in general, but if we focus in on late career male spouses in particular, we've, because we've had to make so many career pivots and to redefine what success looks like to us and to our, um, to that piece of our identity that absolutely needs to be fulfilled, or we are (laughs) resentful, unhappy, and taking it out on everyone around us. Yeah. um, That we actually, move into supporting military spouses um like at a i wouldn't say at a higher rate necessarily it's just a pattern that i'm noticing Mm -hmm. okay it's it makes a lot of sense to make that shift um in terms of the niche that we would like to support but i i will be honest that there are times when i'm on instagram for example and i'm like every military spouse has become a coach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is, what is happening here? Right. And if I'm not careful, that mindset also just kind of caves in on itself and it turns into, we're all competing with each other Yeah. because we all want to support other military spouses. Sure. We may have different modalities that we're using. Like clearly your lane is military marriages, right? Mm -hmm. And I want my lane to be the Enneagram within the personal development umbrella. Um, Hi, there's a lot of competition out there for that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's true in what you say that we speak the same language. So it makes sense that we make that shift at some point to only focus on military spouses and to strengthen our community, like our community, the military community, because we see such a need for it. So sometimes if I'm not careful, I start to get in this competitive mindset. And then I kind of have to pull back and I have to remind myself, like, these spouses are doing with what they have, like, (laughs) they are taking their career into their own hands. And this just makes the most sense. 
So yeah. I wondered if you've ever experienced that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because it is something that I like to speak openly about. Um, I even have a lot of other military marriage coaches on my podcast and I do it purposefully. And somebody asked me one time, why do you do that? Like, aren't they your competition? Like, don't you need to be worried about it? And really what I feel when it comes to the entire military spouse community is when one of us rises, we all rise. And there are enough humans for all of us to be successful, to be fulfilled, to do what we need to do. And that is sort of my way of, of combating that competitive competitiveness that can come up. Because I really think that the more we can support each other, the better off we all are. And it's just natural, I think, to for your brain to go there. But it is something I also am constantly constantly battling, um, knowing that I, I mean, I could turn to all marriages. I don't necessarily want to, right. You could find a different population and you, I, I think what it is, is just knowing like, we just all have to support each other and we are doing it the best way that we know how. And I, I just, do not think that it has to be one person wins and the other person loses. I genuinely, truly believe that we can all rise up together if we do it right and support each other. Amazing. Thank you for reminding everybody of that because I I wanted to figure out a way to talk about that more without uh, making it sound like we are terrible humans for <laughs> fall, falling into like those, those mental traps of yeah. this space can feel really small sometimes. I mean, we all, at some point, we all kind of know the same people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we understand like the lane at which everybody is trying to assume their own autonomy within. And so it gets kind of, sometimes it can feel a little claustrophobic. It can feel like a little bit small. Um, but if anybody is currently experiencing that, just rewind what Lindsay just said, because that <laughs> that's an amazing reminder that like we're all here to support one another and it's not it's not about the competition it's about um extending the support where you can and understanding that people will need spouses will need different kinds of support at different mm -hmm. points in their military life journey like right now may not be a time in which they need to uh, hire a military marriage coach yeah, that yeah. could change a year from now, <laughs> you know, and it, you know, and the same for me, like, you know, a spouse may be in the middle of just a, a huge crap storm when it comes to the military and assuming, um, a level of like personal development coaching feels like a hurdle. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like a, um, a positive thing or like a need. It just feels like one more thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, and my, my husband actually helped me with this the most too, is he looked up the exact statistics and now I'm going to butcher them, but I feel like there's anywhere between 500,000 and a million military spouses. If you look at all of the branches across the United States, if you look at international branches, you're talking about a million military spouses out there doing what we are doing. I can't help a million people, right? Like I only have enough time in the day for so many. And that was also where it was easy to say, like, 
I don't need to help every single person and not every single person is going to connect with me, but not, might connect with somebody else. And the reality is, is I do want every single one of those 1 million military spouses to have what they need and feel what they need to feel and whatever that may be. And so I think that that was also a great way for me to sort of step out of it, of the kind of com competition piece. Um, and you're absolutely right that people are going to need different things at different times. And I want them to know where those resources are. Right. Because right? so often I think it's, you know, we, we don't know and people don't know. And so I want, I think that I want everyone to have that resource when they do need it and you don't have to dig and you don't have to, you know, try to figure it out when you are in that dark place, like you were talking about. Right. And I think so much of what, so much of how we had hoped to handle our careers, like it's very clear that you also have like a leadership mindset. Like you wanted to be in the top of your space when it came to like the psychology realm of things. And you were frustrated by needing to take entry-level jobs and never getting the opportunity to move beyond that because PCS would come through, orders would come through, and then you'd have to start all over again. So I think what I'm realizing in this conversation is that we take that same mentality toward our now um, reimagined career for ourselves. And we do want to be at the top. We want to be leaders in this space. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a leader and, and upholding that same, um, that same piece of your identity that you would have otherwise done in your previous career. Does that... Mm -hmm. Does yeah, that yeah. I think that's, I think that it's great. And I think that it's recognizing also like when I can be a leader, because before I wasn't able to, and that was an unmet, unmet identity that I had, but also knowing when it's okay for me to sit back and be, you know, uh, I don't like the word follower necessarily, but just be in the crowd and soak in what I need to soak in so that I can then be a better leader. And I feel like military spouse life has really taught me that, like not being able to be the leader all the time has really shown me the value of, you know, sometimes you just need to sit back and listen and let other people lead. And so again, I, I credit a lot of this from military life, I don't think I would have gotten here otherwise. And I think I'm happier because of it. And that doesn't mean that there still aren't challenges. That doesn't mean that, you know, I still don't question or doubt or, you know, any of those things that normal people do. It's just, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just, I know that I'm on the path that I need to be on. And I just sort of trust in that. Yeah. No, and what you're speaking to, too, the, the path of like, okay, well, we entered military life, not something that we expected for ourselves, especially as people with advanced degrees and like, uh, you know, these fully formed identities, like we were on this huge mission and had ambition for days, right? Mm -hmm. And when we entered military life, we didn't really, it, yep, I lost my train of thought. So I'm going to cut all of that out. What did you say before you? We're talking about the path, the path to. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Liz. I have pregnancy brain. Why you're asking me? Okay. Um, I will probably have a baby by the time this goes out. We were talking about um, 
being the, a leader and yeah. and also being in the okay yeah let me start over okay <laughs> so when it comes to this path like if we want to think about the career path that we were on that ne- then needed to shift um and then entering military life ha- is its own fully formed path in of itself and so we're kind of just like converging like converging all of these pathways together it's really easy to think well, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. It's really easy to think, what if I hadn't have taken this path? Mm-hmm. Like, what if I had met my spouse and I had turned him down? What if like, I did not swipe the right way on Tinder or like, I didn't, this never happened. Like what would have happened in my life and my career had that not gone through? Had we not gone ahead with this relationship? And I can't imagine it. So then that brings me back to the fact that this was always my path. This was always a place that I was headed. uh, But it doesn't mean that there weren't like tough pills to swallow along the way. And it doesn't mean that there aren't challenges associated with that. So I, I hope that for other late career male spouses who are in this position of needing to pivot uh, over and over again, when it comes to their careers specifically, that clearly this is happening for some sort of reason (laughs) and it doesn't need to be like you don't need to like inflict you know your own belief system on that uh, you know when it comes to um i don't know i just think things happen for like some things happen Mm -hmm. for a reason you know like i don't need to know what the reason is but they're happening (laughs) yeah and i think that there i think it's important to remember that there would have been challenges had the other path take oh yeah you know what I mean I think that it's easy to think or it's easy to see again my friends in their their job that they took right out of residency and they are you know still they've never had to even switch jobs but they have their own challenges and they have their own you know issues associated with that and I think it's really important to remember and you're right like I look at mine and I would have never lived in Portugal I would have never lived in Hawaii I would have never had we we're PCSing to Japan soon like these are experiences I know without a doubt I never ever ever would have experienced and I'm so so glad that I have and I I really value them and feel that they have made me who I am and so just kind of like you said I think it's important to remember that there is no easy or hard way. We just have to make the best of whatever our situation is. And I think what's helped me is finding those military spouses who have made it work, finding those other late career male spouses who have pivoted in a way that they are still you know, feeding their identity and they're still making those degrees work and they're still doing all of the things um, that's who I focus on versus the ones that are, you know, oh, you can't do it. You're not going to, you know, and those are out there. You hear that. But to me, there are way more people that have figured it out and are so creative. And, and that's who I surround myself with because that's who I want to be. Yeah. That's the energy that you want to be surrounded by. Cause, Absolutely. Cause- because then when you do experience those tough days, it's that group of people um, and it's those spouses in particular that are going to cheer you on and to say, you know, this sucks, keep going, like it, it's all going to work out, everything is going to be fine. And it may not be, it may not be what you imagined, but it could be better 
from what you imagined. (laughs) I feel like we need to say that again. It may not be what you imagined, but it may be better than what you imagined because I needed to hear that when I was in the depths of my resentment, that's what I needed to hear over and over and over again. So if anything, like listen to that sentence on repeat over and over again, because it's 100% true. I can speak it from just my own experience. And I know so many others that have as well. That's kind of the, also the beauty of being behind so many, like behind the scenes, so to speak. Like I can't show you all these people, right? There's confidentiality. I can't show people like all the the people that I know that have done this um, unless they're out there really talking about it. But it's possible and it, you don't have to be a certain person and you don't have to have a certain, you know, personality type or traits or whatever. Like you can make this work. Um, it's just, it's just kind of figuring out exactly the path to get there. That's going to work best for you and getting support around that is always, I think a useful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, I've really loved our conversation and I same. I really appreciate you coming on this podcast when I know you have your own. Um, so we mentioned it before, but um, please let everybody know where they can find you in terms of your own podcast, where they can find you online. And if you have anything that they can take advantage of today as well. Yeah, love it. So I have a couple of things. First, you can find me online at Married to Military. And my podcast is also Married to Military. It's on all of the places that you can listen to podcasts. I am such a podcaster. So again, I'm like, if you, right, like we all have a place in this podcasting world as well. Um, And then I have a free call um, for anyone who's sort of just interested in working with me. This way you can get kind of a taste. We can decide if it is the next best step. Um, You know, really there's just no pressure here. Um, just to get an idea of where we could go and where, and I like to always give some tips. I, I really love working with military spouses. So it's hard for me to, to not sort of jump right in and get started. Um, and you can find that on my website at www.lindsaycavanaugh.com. I'll make sure that um, you get those so that you can link them up as well. And yeah, I have a deployment survival guide that's coming out very soon that will be sort of what is happening while I am on maternity leave. And so lots of great things coming from, from my side of the world here. <laughs> Including a brand new baby. Including a brand new baby, which right, this isn't military life. Like literally we having a baby and then my husband deploys and moves to Japan. Like we, it's, you know, like if that's not military spouse life, I don't know what is. Yeah, it feels right. Like none yeah. of it. Right. None of, it like, of, of course, this is how this would yeah. go. <laughs> it feels right. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay, that feels yeah. right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here we well, go. <laughs> Thanks for being here today, Lindsay. And for everyone listening, please continue tuning in because we have a lot of really exciting guests coming up on this series. And I'll see y'all soon. Bye. These interviews really light up my world, get me jazzed again about what it means to be a late career male spouse and what it means to support other spouses amongst this category. 
If you could please take a moment to rate and review the podcast in general or give some feedback about this episode in particular, I would appreciate it. And as a further step, please share the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast with your favorite Mill Spouse friend. Let's get this podcast into the hands of those who could really use the support. As always, I'll be hanging out on Instagram at mill.spouse, and you can find out more information about what it is that I do at jlaray.com. Bye, y'all.